Welcome to the Safety Doc Podcast with your charismatic host and prominent safety expert, Dr. David Perotti. Be entertained and informed as the Safety Doc discusses both best and bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis response. The truth will keep you safe. Follow Dr. Perodin on Twitter at SafetyPhD. This is Dr. David Perodin, and I want to thank you as we begin another journey into school and community safety. If you're looking for industrial safety expert Appalachian State University professor Dr. Timothy Ludwig, please visit www.safety-doc.com. Again, that's Dr. Timothy Ludwig at www.safety-doc.com. Hi, everybody. This is Dr. David Proden, and welcome to Safety Doc Podcast 58. So, today we are going to be talking about video game addictions. Um, we're in a time right now when we have the World Health Organization and the American Psychological Association kind of duking it out on whether or not to formally acknowledge video game addictions um, basically as a disorder. And there's not a big stretch from that to becoming a disability. Um, and once that starts, are we going to have people diagnosed with um, a, a disability in gaming, which then is going to, you know, you're, you're not going to have to attend work. You're going to be in therapy because of gaming addiction. Are you going to be able to obtain benefits because of these things? I don't know. But I am from the position, now I'm not a medical doctor, so I'm giving you the social sciences perspective on this. Um, I don't buy into this. I don't buy into this at all. And I'm going to give my rationale for that. And I think we are completely going down the wrong direction um, it, with trying to pathologize video game addiction. Hey, when I was in college, when I was growing up, I loved playing video games. And sometimes I would, I would play um, all through the night. On Christmas Eve, uh, many, many years ago, I was maybe 10, and uh, I got a an Intellivision gaming system, and my brother and I played until the sun came up. Um, I think we played basketball on, on the Intellivision. And I remember in college, you know, my roommates and I would play a lot of competitive um, games and sports on the different uh, Segas and, and, you know, Xbox and different systems and things like that. You know, but we always seem to have a balance. We always knew uh, when to, to, to study, you know, when, when to play and, and things like that. So um, I, I don't like where this is going. And, and I am going to read two articles or pull from two articles and then one comment section. And then also go through something which is called the Bergen Social Media Addiction Scale which is a brief scale. It's a questionnaire uh, basically to identify if somebody has, a, has this disorder. Um, and I'm going to read, read through this. First of all, I'm not a big fan of surveys um, versus a qualitative um, interview where you can capture more context and follow-up questions versus surveys are very you know, one side, and if, if a, a person interprets a term and they're not sure about it, they can't really ask a clarifying question. Um, but anyway, I, I, I just, I, I can't believe this is where we're at, folks. I am opposed to this. Let me get into it. So we are talking about Safety Doc Podcast 58, Video Gaming the System. 
Um, before we get into that, a little anecdote. Uh, I came home this week, pulled in, <coughs> excuse me, folks. Wow, I said the humidity is still low. Uh, we're out of the cold snap. So it was actually 55 degrees today. Remember last show a week ago, it's like minus four, um, 55 degrees, and then it dropped down to like 17 during the day. So just just crazy weather. But um, it, it, it does not help the humidity at all. It keeps the humidity really low. We don't have any snow outside. So yeah, just uh, things, are, things are really, really dry. Um, I, I came home and my front yard was marked with those with those little markers and, and the flags and I, I could kind of look where the they were marked and and measured how far they were in from the road and then realized oh no the city is contemplating putting sidewalk in front of my house <laughs> now folks we need to rewind back to 2002 when I moved into this house um, our neighbors. Uh, got together with my wife and, and I and said, listen, there's a movement to put sidewalks throughout the community. And we don't believe there need to be sidewalks right here because the roads are wide. Um, and, and they had, I don't know, whatever rationale. So um, they basically organized, opposed it and defeated it. Um, now, with that said, we are located two blocks away from kind of the campus for the schools meaning, you know, the elementary school, middle school, high school. So, I mean, it, it kind of does make sense to have sidewalks pretty prevalent throughout the area. But, you know, with that said, so, um, so yeah, I'm looking, I'm like, oh, no, because that gets assessed back to your property. So I don't know what's going to happen. I, I've read some things in the paper that they're checking out the viability of sidewalks in, in certain areas. But uh, I know when I bike in summer and go through the community, I can see sidewalks, uh you know, that are showing up in different places. And if you build new now, you you have to put sidewalk in, which is kind of an odd appearance because you can have new homes um, situated around existing homes and the new homes will have a sidewalk, which will just terminate on both sides into grass. So yeah, you know, if it happens, it happens. Come on, it's sidewalk, you know. Um, but anyway, let's, let's get into, uh, let's get into the first article. So on it, this was published on January eighth, two thousand eighteen, by Phoebe Weston uh, from the Associated Press, and it the the headings here: Apple, Apple, the company must fight toxic iPhone addiction among children. Urge two large investors with two billion dollars in shares. So investors are trying to say, Apple, come on, you need to step it up here with your phones. We need more tools to help parents um, limit what kids can access on the phones or how much time, and and really putting this on Apple. Now, it's interesting because the partners are New York-based JANA Partners LLC, which I'm not sure what that is, but the other one I do know is California State Teachers Retirement System, or CalSTARS. So very interesting that CalSTARS would would be in this because obviously they're they're very vested in this of of maybe getting a lot of complaints from teachers saying hey you know kids are using their phones in the classroom and it's disruptive and and CalSTARS is thinking yeah maybe we can exercise some pressure onto Apple to try to get more control now this is just on Apple you know I've got a Samsung and how many different devices are there out there are out there but um, so anyway um, yeah okay so in this this article see so these two players Jana partners and and Calstars 
big shareholders of, of Apple. I mean, significant shareholders, but, you know. Um, so among their proposals, they recommend the company enhances mobile device software so parents have more options to protect their children's health. Collectively, the pair control $2 billion worth of Apple shares. Gotcha. All right. There is a developing consensus around the world, including Silicon Valley, that the potential long-term consequences of new technologies need to be factored in at the outset, and no company can outsource the responsibility, the letter said. Okay, come on. I mean, really, like you are putting this onto Apple to say, hey, our kids are addicted to, first of all, kids, kids, everybody, (laughs) adults, grandparents. I mean, if you have an iPhone and iPad, everybody's using these things. All right. So um, this is scapegoating. I don't like this at all. This feels this feels very much like that movement. Rem- remember the movement for the healthy meals during the Obama administration. You know, let's get rid of the the sodas, processed snacks, and and all of that to fight obesity and things like that. And you know, well, yes, I mean those things are out there, and kids can choose those. But this really comes down to to parenting. Okay, I mean it comes down to parenting. And can you limit access to some of these things? You certainly can, you know, to some extent. I mean, if you're having, you know, machines like a soda machine on campus or whatever, and even, you know, with with the, um, you know, with the phones, if you have policies where you you have phones that can be used at certain times during a class and, and other times not, you know, but but again, this this is, this is really overstepping. And, and this, I think, is, is parental role. Um, you know, I, I don't know this outsource of responsibility. It's, it's I mean, it, it, to me, this is like you're handing a, a kid, you know, a, a, you know, it's it's like you're handing them a knife or something like that, and and and, and you know, say so you have to be careful with it and stuff like. It's a phone. I mean, so it's a phone, but it's it's a phone. It also communicates. Yes, it does have social, yeah, access social media and things like that. But you can get the weather on it. You can you can get a map on it. Um, there are there are so many universal design for learning features built into a phone, like you know, magnifying text, reading text out loud. These are very very good things. I, I think back to, I think it was my dad talked about when he was in college, and and the calculator kind of became, um, you know, quote unquote affordable. You know, like Radio Shack was selling calculators. And, you know, like so 1960s or whatever. And, and a calculator, a basic calculator, okay, a, a basic calculator would cost a couple hundred bucks. And, uh, you know, and, and that was the debate back then. I mean, do we allow people to have calculators or do we not? Because then we're not, they're not going to learn the fundamentals of math and it's all going to be too easy. And, and I mean, we don't have that debate anymore. I mean, come on. I mean, that's that calculators. But this is similar in some aspects to that now it has a whole social media component and other things, but it, it is one of those things where um, you date it back to the 30s. And I remember my grandparents talking about, you know, how they could, there was a concern from their parents of you're sitting in front of the, the you know, radio box too much listening to the pirate, you know, show or Little Orphan Annie or whatever it was. And then, you know, what was eventually it's TV and stuff like that. And you know, so so it's not like we haven't been down this road kind of before. But anyway, let me keep going through the article. Apple can play a defining role in signaling to the industry that paying special attention to the health and development of the next generation is both good business and the right thing to do. Again, I, I don't know. I, you know, 
I, I think this is it's blaming Apple. And again, look, there, there, it, this, it can be used for good or or for bad, you know. <laughs> and and there are so many apps that can be there to to uh, you know to benefit you know students too in in you know apps for identifying. Um, Zones of regulation, you know, of, of biofeedback, uh, you know, what, whatever it can be. I mean, apps to learn different languages. Um, it, it, this, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's super frustrating to me that they're saying our kids are using their phones too much. And part of this needs to be an introspection and a reflection back upon yourself. And it's like, you know what? My daughters and I, my wife, this weekend, we played Monopoly, um, two, game, two games of Monopoly, board Monopoly, one, you know, the, the board game. One was the Ghostbusters version, another one was a different version. You know, so a, f- a fun twist. And my daughters are 7 and 11, and we played, the first game was, was five, well, we played three games. First game, um, you know, a couple hours, and, and um, the, the second game was five hours long. And my daughters loved it. They were engrossed in it. And, and, you know, they're wanting to make the deals and they're strategizing. We're having fun and we're laughing and razzing each other a little bit. And, of course, like right away the next day is like, let's carve out time. They want to carve out time, you know, for that. And, uh, it, and two, you know, we're working then on um, people, you know, you get to be the banker this time. You get to be the banker. You get to control the properties and hand them out. Okay, you know, it costs this much. So how much money do you have to have? How much money do you get back? Um, tell, you know, what strategy, what's not strategy, and, and just even, you know, turn-taking, fair play, and if you get frustrated, if you don't want to handle that. But, you know, who, do, who does that anymore with kids? I, I, I'm, I'm saying, you know, if people are saying, we do this and we're, we're being out-competed by social media, no, we have, we, have, we have two iPads on a table three feet away that weren't even touched, you know, by the, the girls or any of us during this, this time. Or, you know, that, that we're checking phones or anything. No, no, this, anyway. All right. This article goes on. They recommended Apple establish an expert committee, including child development specialists, and offer more information to researchers. More than 10 years after the iPhone's release, it is a cliche to point out the ubiquity of Apple's devices among children and teenagers, as well as the attendant growth in social media use by this group. Okay, one is... You don't think that Apple already has an expert committee that studies this and studies the, the impact that the iPhone has on different ages, different you know populations. Um, of course they do. They, they, it's very sophisticated. They the user interface and 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 that they can keep people engaged. Uh, just just like TV. I mean, TV does. People write books. I mean, they do their studies to keep people engaged. And especially like in the video game industries, it, you know, it's, it's very much of studying like when people get the the little dopamine rushes so they continue in games. But you know, it's not like this doesn't exist. Like they're naively putting this out there. And again, they if they made a product that was so boring and or complicated and, and just didn't have a user interface that was of benefit or that provided benefit before entertainment like this they're portraying this as an entertainment device that's it can be an entertainment device it can be a high-end scientific device it can tell you the weather um it can again you know low give you your location it can allow you to do research on any number of topics it can you know allow you to to facetime with relatives that are not near i mean just uh 
So anyway, yeah, like this committee doesn't exist. Come on, come on. Um, what is what is less well known is that there's a growing body of evidence that for at least some of the most frequent young users, this may be having unintentional negative consequences, the letter said. Yeah, everybody knows that. That's obvious. The letter cited various studies and surveys on how the heavy usage of smartphones and social media negatively affect children's mental and physical health. I talked about that in the last podcast. That is that that's well known with uh, millennials, with Gen Z, but you know it's pretty much um, throughout. It's again, it's not this the heavy usage of you got to go beyond this. Why, why are you doing this? It, it's because I mean this is this is you have to have agency and 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 purpose and and teaching perspectives and teaching debate and how to use these um, uh, you know tools to to not um not obtain your sense of of worth so um you know which which kind of comes through goal setting and some other things so so again i think this is scapegoating um, examples include distractions by digital technologies in the classroom a decreased ability of, of students to focus on educational tasks and higher risk of suicide and depression okay um so that's where we we definitely get this this california Retirement fund kind of creeping in here. Examples include distractions of digital technologies in the classroom. Yeah, maybe it's more exciting than what's being taught. <laughs> or then use technology. I've seen teachers who 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 have kids get out their smartphones and they text a certain you know number in, and it's on a smart board, and it might be like a survey, not a, or, you know, or, or as a question. And a teacher will say like, which one of these would you do? Like, which one of these scenarios? And they can actively see as they put in. And, and you can, you don't have to make it where um, you are teaching independent of the technologies. The technologies can be in, integrated. And you can also have times when you're not using the technology. In, in you know, you're saying you can't, th- this is a technology-free time. Now, with that said, I also think, you know, it's teaching, um, you know, I, I, I don't think it is, it is all reasonable in this day and age to tell people, you know, you need to even staff, you need to keep your cell phone um, out of your pocket, you know, locked away in a desk drawer while you're teaching and things like that. I mean, no, I, I think at this day and age, I mean, those things are with you. Now, you know, if it buzzes and you check in, oh, I got a Facebook like because of, hey, I, I made this awesome bowl of oatmeal this morning and I put raspberries that look like a smiley face. Yeah, that's garbage. But I mean, um, again, it is a tool that you have, and it's a tool. What if there was an evacuation, an active shooter situation? I mean, it it it, it is something that you have that you can responsibly use. So I think I, I and so, and it gets this higher risk of suicide and depression. Yeah, social media, social media is external validation. It's your definition of self. Thank you for tuning in to the Safety Doc Podcast with the nation's leading safety expert, Dr. David Perodin, author, radio show host, university instructor, researcher, expert witness, and consultant. Powerful testimonials. Dr. Perodin has a strong reputation as the go-to safety consultant, and he was still able to exceed our expectations. When we went looking for an expert in the field of crisis preparedness and prevention, David was the single person we pursued. Not easy stepping into the touchier subjects of life, but Dr. David pulls it off. Take a listen. 
Now, back to Dr. David Perodin and the Safety Doc Podcast. So, here we go. A survey by the American Psychological Association, the APA, found 58% of U.S. parents worried about the influence of social media on their children's well-being and felt they were attached to, to their phone or tablet. Okay, I mean... I would I would say that's if you surveyed that's completely what I would expect. I would probably expect that to be higher than 58%. Um what you're missing here, okay, surveys. Surveys are not as good as qualitative interviews. If I survey somebody that's one-sided, I don't know if they're understanding the terminology. People typically rush through surveys. If I have a qualitative interview, I'm interviewing people. I then am coding out what they're responding through that interview. I can ask follow-up questions. They can ask me and they can say, I don't quite understand this term. Can you give me an example of it or something like that? That is much better than just saying like survey. Survey says surveys suck. So even the best surveys, I've, I know people who have worked for the top companies for huge amounts of money who say surveys are a roll of the dice. So I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, all this stuff, survey this, survey that, yeah. And I'm going to give you some examples of that actual Bergen survey, which is just out there. So, um, yeah. All right. While tech companies have not acknowledged openly that their gadgets may be addictive. See, gadgets, that's a key word, gadgets. Oh, your phone or whatever, it's, you know, it's a gadget. Well, no, I mean, it's a high, this thing is, it's high end. I mean, this is more computing power than Apollo 13. It's not a gadget. It's not a fidget spinner. I mean, this is very sophisticated. Yes, does it have games in it? Does it have access to social media? But it can also give you the entire encyclopedia at the click of a button, you know. Um, it can it can triangulate you know your your positions and do scientific uh, calculation. I mean it's it's amazing. Um, plus the universal design for learning, which for people with disabilities or um, people uh, you know reading um, you know visual acuity um, um, problems or or auditory problems. I mean it's these are incredible incredible assets to society. They're not gadgets. All right. Um, okay. While tech companies have not acknowledged openly that their gadgets may be addictive, uh, some Silicon Valley insiders have begun to speak to media about how gadgets, mobile applications, and social media sites are designed to be addictive and to keep users' attention as long as possible. So what? I would expect that. Who in the world is going to design something that is not going to keep your attention? You know, casinos are designed so they don't have windows and clocks and that they have uh, weird carpet patterns that kind of lead you around so you're not really quite sure how to get out. Look at any retail store. I mean, how it's designed, I mean, to keep you there, to, to present you with more to more items before you. Th this is all part of, um, you know, m marketing. Uh, this And it's not, it's not bad. Um I mean, here, here's the thing. If I'm if I'm buying a, a product, it, 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 let's even look at user interface and things like that. You know, I, you know, I use my Garmin. I went down to Florida. My Garmin helped me get to Florida. You know, well, the Garmin was very intuitive and 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 I liked it. But I tried out some others, and I didn't like those as much because I thought they were a little harder to program, and I didn't like the way that they brought up the maps. And you know, the 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 Garmin you know kind of worked for me. 
So, you know, it had to be captivating and more intuitive. Um, and so, you know, I like that. That's, that's, that's my, that's my style. It's the same thing when I pick out like, uh, my camcorder, you know, like I, there's a certain user interface that I preferred that was more captivating on that, you know, to me and the feedback it was giving the software that I use when I edit, you know, the different visuals it gives me where people might be, you know, not as in tune to that and maybe need different numbers and metrics, you know, I'm more into that. So, I mean, it's, it's the same way, like, I mean, teachers, don't teachers teach to be captivating? Don't you want to be captivating? Don't you want to be uni- using universal design for learning, uh, multiple expressions of learning, so so kids aren't getting just a lecture, you know, that they're getting multimedia? I think that's weak. I think it's weak. Uh, here's some comments from that. Okay. One of the comments. So, so what I, what I, what I'm doing is I'm theming out some of the comments. Um, so what I tell you, these aren't standalone comments. These kind of represent comments, which are in some themes or what would be constructs. Um, so one is I find it disturbing that kids of primary school age need a smartphone or tablet in order to do their homework. Somebody wrote that. So, um, this person, I find it disturbing. So, okay. You find it disturbing. I disagree. I, I, I don't find it disturbing. I think it's a natural progression, a national, uh, natural evolution. Um, I think the phone is a tool. It's here to stay. It adds efficiency. The, it levels the playing field with the universal design for learning. Um, and, and, you know, those are, are all positive a- attributes. Again, everything has a positive attribute. Everything has a negative. I mean, you could argue that back to the phone, back to the TV, back to the radio. So, yeah. The other part is there's there's things we're not going to have to memorize and teach anymore. Do we have to teach the state capitals? Do we have to teach the state capitals? No. No. Why do we need to teach the state capitals? You know, if we can teach, here's how to do a search, an internet search, okay, uh, so you can find the capital or whatever, then that's great. You know how to do the search. You need a capital. You, you don't need to, to start spending time and filling your mind and, and doing all of this with this, the, this, what I call Jeopardy information, you know, that you're just trying to recall. Forget that. Forget that. And the amount of time in you, you free up then for instruction, which has more to do with problem solving and divergent learning um, and, and, and constructing solutions from, from information, um, this is a good good thing. I mean, uh, okay. The next one, my four-year-old granddaughter has an iPad and iPhone, but isn't constantly on them because she's encouraged to do other things. Her parents switch their phones off after seven o'clock despite running a business. They don't use their phones whilst they are out and about with our granddaughter. And it certainly it's never allowed at the dinner table. I have no time for people whose lives are so empty they are glued to social media all the time. Okay, good parenting, responsible parenting right here. Responsible parenting. Yes, devices, and there's a time to use it, and there's a time when not to use it. Okay, nice job, nice job. Yeah, you know, a parent, is he an eight-year-old with a phone? You know, it was just like addicted to the phone. And not that you don't see the eight-year-old and the parents. But the eight-year-old addicted to the phone. The eight-year-old didn't buy the phone. So, you know, parent bought the phone. Parents paying the plan. So, all right. Another um, post. I can't see anything wrong with children using technology. I think the earlier they start, the better. Yeah. You know, I I, I think that's accurate. Is It's it's ubiquitous. It's going to be here. 
and the you know kids get familiar with it now the fact i can't see anything wrong well yeah i mean anything that is a technology like that and and also that can interface you with the outside world um and and people which might not have your best interests at hand um yeah there is a wrong i mean so you have to be be aware but um yeah it's not like you need a driver's license and then you get you, you get your first phone so all right here, here's one. Never mind how the kids behave. What about their parents? I have two sons, and when they come around our house with their wives and bring the grandkids with them, they are all on their phones virtually all of the time. I tell them about it, and it seems it is me that is the odd one out. The world is now addicted to smartphones. Disgusting. Thank goodness I only need to make calls and simple texting. The rest I can do without. So, yeah, I, I, I mean... There, I think there's a lack of social awareness. I mean, it's like if you have your Christmas gathering, you know, and, or a family gathering or whatever, and, and, and everybody pulls out their devices and they're just interacting with their devices and not socializing, that, that's completely inappropriate for that social setting. Um, do you have your device with you? Can you check it? Can there be, my, you know, maybe a little bit of time after everybody's eaten and the adults are talking and the kids, you know, want to do a little bit of gaming or something? Yeah, that's fine. It's not a problem with that. But this is this is adult. This is parenting. This is being an adult, having social awareness and also sense of self. I talked about in the last podcast, so many people having to get validated, having their sense of self, their validation because I have, oh, these many Facebook likes. Look at my 8,102 friends of which I haven't met 8,000, you know, <laughs> of them. So, um, it is, it is completely external manipulation. And as long as people thrive on that and, and just beg for it and, and suffer this depression when they, they check and they haven't gotten the number of likes or they get a dislike, they get a dislike or a comment that is, you know, negative or neutral, or they don't know how to interpret it. Come on. Like I said in my last post, I posted a very comprehensive blog response to that. And at the very end, I said, one, <laughs> I don't care if you like it. I don't care if you dislike it. I don't care if you retweet it. Um, I don't care if you share it. doesn't matter to me. <laughs> I don't go in. It doesn't. It, it matters not to me. If you have a question about you, a comment, that's fine. And I'll respond to the comment. Um, if you want to email me something about it, yeah, that's fine. I'll, you know, evaluate it and email you back. But yeah, am I going to look and say, oh, I put all this time into this and it's really great. And it was only shared seven times and it looks like it only got two Facebook likes. I'm not on Facebook, but I can see some of those metrics. I'm like, I don't care. I don't, that's not the judge of, I, I know this is quality work that I've done and I know this is going to impact my audience. You, you guys, you're smart folks. You want to hear this from the safety doc. Um, which I appreciate. Um, so yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's, it's, it's crazy. Um, okay. So it, here's another quote. It's their job when we're talking like Apple, Google, Motorola, so on. It's their job to make and sell phones. It's not really their job to, um, dare if anyone become addicted to them or not. So why should they? If anything, the more people become addicted, the more money they'll make. And so why would they want to change that? True. I mean, <laughs> um, you know, again, it, it's, it's, yeah. if you, if you, 
are making a, a video game, if you're making a phone, if you're making clothing, if you're making whatever, you want to make it so people are as interested in it as they can possibly be. I mean, think of right now all the professional athletic uh, stadiums, Lambeau Field in Green Bay, Wisconsin. I attended games in the 80s when literally, I mean, it was like a a scoreboard which would tell you the score, you know, and that was it. And now they have, I mean, because it has to be the fan experience. I mean, the fan experience, you know, overpaying for everything, you know, that was there. And, of course, you know, sitting on the the bleachers and <laughs> they had the old light system on the stadium. I mean, it was it, it was just the way that it was. And it was it was fine, you know, but for right now, multi, multi-million dollar, you know, um, 90 foot long by 40 foot high, high definition screens on each end. And I'm just, but it's something like that. These elaborate sound systems, people need to be able to get in and and get real time Wi-Fi so they can access whatever they need to do or updates on the game. I mean, we had a guy sitting in front of us who had that set of headphones that would have the little, the little um, antenna that would come out, steel antenna. And uh, he would listen to the radio. So, like, if a player went down and got hurt, like, you had no idea what the update was. And all of a sudden, this guy ahead of us be like, oh, like, they've just said, like, you know, they think it could be something to do with an Achilles or whatever. And, I mean, that was your information. So, you know, it, it, it's this is all this is all over. You know, it's, it's, it's that you have to be this, you know, super saturated and all of that. And to be honest, like, that stuff's kind of cool. Like, I don't, but I, I, I don't. I don't think they shouldn't be doing that, but this is the technology has evolved. It's awesome stuff. It's an awesome time we live in. It's awesome that you can sit down and see something like that. I'm like, whoa, you know, like to 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 experience something like that and the audio and the stuff that they have. Um, so, but yeah, you know, but um, I don't walk away from it. Um, I, I, I don't know. Like, it hasn't changed my life substantially. It's just, it, it's cool technology, and I think it's 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 neat to showcase that. Um, so, anyway, let me let me get to the last one here. Uh, well done to them. What posters on here are failing to recognize when they are parent bashing is that although we can control what happens at home, and I do, beyond the age of 11 when they are out on their own, so kids when they're out on their own after age 11, you can have no control. They borrow each other's phones, etc. use computers during school breaks at the schools. Um, kids used to, kids have to use the internet to do and submit homework. So short of locking them in the garage, what can you do? Okay. So this person kind of is like, this pertains to all of you, but not to me because like, I've got it figured out for my kid. <laughs> Again, so you know, I'm taking posts, which are pretty redundant um, in theme, but so yeah, I mean, in hyper control is is horrible. I mean, this hyper control over kids. You're thinking, um, this is again. I did a podcast on this a couple of weeks ago on, on the parents in, outside of Cleveland that nixed the eighth grade field trip because they didn't want the kids going to Washington D.C. because they thought it was a terrorist target, It'd be too dangerous. Statistically, the risk of being killed on the bus trip there and back was the same as being killed in Washington, D.C. in an act of terror. Both were minuscule, several times smaller than being hit by lightning. But, you know, this this is this this whole um, thing of, of hyper helicopter parents. 
and as, as a university instructor, I see this too, of of the number of students who um, have the parents sign off so they can also see the students' grades, so they can contact the instructor, even though like the student might be 20, 22 or whatever. But oh, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think this this is this is um this over this hyper protectionism type thing. And Aaron Clary talks about it in his book and reconnaissance, man, you know, kids need to be able to get out there and do things on their own. What you need to do is to have discussions, foster open discussions and trust with, with your kids. Not that they're always going to do what you expect them to do, but that you have, you can talk to them about social media. Hector Solis, the awareness podcast, check that out. Talks a lot about, um, for, you know, grooming, sex trafficking, but again, how social media plays a role, uh, substantially in, into those, um, and, and it's not just, you know, you think kids who would naturally be, be targeted, I guess, for that, um, you know, some of these are, are kids who are coming from stable two parent families and, and they're sitting there, um, right in the family room with, with mom and dad and brother and sister. And at the same time, they are having this, what is considered at that time, a benign conversation back and forth with someone who might've followed them on social media because they saw, a video that they posted where they karaoke a song just normally, but in the room. And what happened? The groomer watched the song and, and studied the image and was, saw a couple posters in the room and, and saw like, oh, you're into like the Hello Kitty thing and you're like into this. And and then saw that, you know, person, that child out and started to make some connections and stuff like that. So, you know, it's, it, it, it's so complicated, so complicated with, um, but it, we have to have reconnaissance. You have to let kids do experience um the world it and have the discussion as a parent with them um let me take a pause for the cause here um and thank uh john grants and the 405 media the 405 media.com out of los angeles california the safety doc podcast 2 p.m pst daily out of the 405 media los angeles 405 media.com hey the show is big in california that's our our flagship audience but guess what we are big in france and the russian federation i think we had 18 downloads of the last podcast from the russian federation so i think you have to negotiate there you have to like trade things just to get access to download the safety dog podcast i don't know but uh, the russian federation for all of you listening out there thank you very much so, um, all right. And a thank you to Sprigio, S-P-R-I-G-E-O, Sprigio.com, the nation's leader in online school bullying, harassment, and threat reporting. Uh, Sprigio, S-P-R-I-G-E-O. If you're not sure, if you're a parent, you're not sure what your school is using um, as a system for kids to report concerns about bullying or um, threat of harm to self or others, um, ask and also suggest, hey, have you checked out Sprigio, Sprigio.com, um, growing around the country and a wonderful system with an emphasis on uh, user interface so kids actually engage with it, um, Sprigio.com. So I talked about this uh, Bergen Social Media Addiction Scale, okay, which is really this measure now. So we have we have these two you know, things kind of going on where we have the um, American Psychological Association and the World Health Organization kind of duking it out on saying, hey, is uh, internet gaming, is this really like an addiction? Can we call this an addiction? 
Um, so we're going to talk about that in just a moment. Thank you for tuning in to the Safety Doc Podcast with the nation's leading safety expert, Dr. David Perodin, author, radio show host, university instructor, researcher, expert witness, and consultant. Powerful testimonials. Dr. Perodin has a strong reputation as the go-to safety consultant, and he was still able to exceed our expectations. When we went looking for an expert in the field of crisis preparedness and prevention, David was the single person we pursued. Not easy stepping into the touchier subjects of life, but Dr. David pulls it off. Take a listen. Now, back to Dr. David Perodin and the Safety Doc Podcast. Okay, we have the Bergen Social Media Addiction Scale uh, over here on the burner, warming up, and I'm going to get into a short article from November 29th, 2016 from Forbes by David DeSalvo. It's called Huge Study on Internet Gaming Addiction Turns Up Controversial Results. So what has happened since then is the World Health Organization has identified gaming as a category, and it's called a DSM, or it's a basically a medical categorization categorization, not a diagnosis, although like most people take the DSM codes and change them into diagnoses, and then you can easily change diagnoses into saying this is a disability area or disorder. So the DSM was only supposed to categorize areas. It wasn't supposed to be a diagnosis, but anyway, that's kind of really what happens. So so right now, as of just the last couple of weeks, gaming addiction by the World Health Organization has largely become an identified disorder. It has become vetted. But anyway, let's back up a little bit to kind of see how this battle kind of started to unfold. So this is David DeSalvo, um, uh, November 29th, 2016. All right. Does internet gaming have the makings of a debilitating addiction like gambling? Most likely not, according to the biggest study to date, seeking a link between internet gaming and addiction behavior. I doubt it's exactly that the originators of the term internet gaming disorder hope to find, but in a minute, I'll discuss why is probably what, what they should have expected. First, some background. A couple of years ago, the American Psychiatric Association, okay, Psychiatric, APA, decided to flesh out the term internet gaming disorder by proposing a nine-symptom scale for diagnoses. The list of symptoms include spending increasing times, amount of time gaming, one, reducing interest in other activities. Two, anxiety when the game isn't accessible. Three, social withdrawal. Four, and losing opportunities as a result of gaming. Five, okay? So, I don't just said nine. Just give me five. Thanks. Each symptom on the list is equally weighted, and someone has to hit five of the nine to qualify for an addiction diagnosis, but they must also show an overriding factor of feeling a significant distress. So, someone might report, hey, I spent hours a day Playing games, becoming increasingly isolated from friends and family and distracted from routine activities, but unless they show signs of significant distress when trying to reduce their gaming time, an addiction diagnosis won't apply. What exactly is significant distress? I don't know. Anyway, for the latest study, researchers surveyed just under 19,000 men and women from the United States, UK, Canada, and Germany. About half of the sample had played internet video games recently, and of that group, between 2 to 3% reported experiencing 
five or more symptoms of the APA's nine symptom checklist. So two to three percent reported experiencing five or more of these symptoms. This is a survey checklist, but only between 0.5 and 1% of those reported feeling significant distress when trying to reduce their game time. When you whittle that those percentages down, that's a tiny number of people, much less than what's typically found in similar research on gambling addiction, probably the best behavioral addiction comparison, you know, such as going to a casino. So again, they're saying like between 0.5 and 1% of, of these 19,000 people actually described as being distressing. So um, by comparison, you know, if you took 19,000 people who have an addiction to working out, which people do. I mean, they have some people have an addiction to working out. They have to get, they feel they have to go to the gym every day or people addiction to running or biking or things like that. Um, and you say, how many of them would feel significant distress if they had a stop? Would it be between 0.5 and 1%? Yeah, probably or more. So I think this, it's very normal. You know, if you took anything that people enjoy doing and, and you have them, you know, halt it. So anyway, Dr. Andrew Prisbyleski from the, from the Oxford uh, Internet Institute and one of the study's authors said in a press statement, contrary to what was predicted, the study did not find a clear link between potential addiction and negative effects on health. However, more research grounded in open and robust scientific practices is needed to learn if games are truly as addictive as many fear, which really is what he's, what he's saying there is you really need to get qualitative studies. You need to interview people, um, have you know, deep interviews over time, and, and, and that's where you're going to come out. You know, we can't just get this from a survey. So, you know, does the very professional thing and leaving the door open um, in that regard. He also added that while the study found a few possible indicators of addictive behavior, importantly, this is a quote, the great majority of gamers, nearly three and four, reported no symptoms at all um, that we would link to gaming behavior. So meaning like 75% just walk with it. Like, yeah, game was fun. I love playing games. But yeah, now I'm on to doing something else. So yeah, I'm done. I'm done. I'm out. I'm on the lawn. I'm, you know, I'm on a bike ride. I'm cooking and uh, or I'm shopping, going to this movie, you know, so um, whatever. While the results are news in terms of failing to support assumptions about gaming addiction, you know, so this is a, people want this. People want to blame someone. They want to pathologize. So this study comes out. It, it says, no, it's just it's not there. Um, it, anyway, I don't know. So um, kind of goes on. Whatever might make gaming addictive in its own right, if it is addictive, doesn't surface from that list. Remember those nine things? We'll kind of go through those. I do have those on that Bergen list. The scale seems both too obvious and too vague, and the answers to a survey based on the scale were predictably unlightening. I agree. I think the scale sucks. But da 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 ba ha 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 so, all right, folks, we got about 12 minutes left. Let's talk about this Bergen social scale. So there's two parts of it. The first part, and these are just questions. It's not very long. Like I've got it in front of me. It's, one, it's two pages. Um, and and uh, one is about game addiction. The other one is about social media addiction. And they basically, it's, it's um, a Likert scale. So it's one through five. And it, it says never, rarely, sometimes, often, or very often. So... Um, let's, let's go with the game addiction scale. 
so this is this is how they're getting this is how they're making their diagnosis. Okay, <laughs> they're they're putting their disorder again, which I've said you know they're identifying this now as a disorder. The World Health Organization, which only means it should be categorized, but really truly that quickly just changes into a diagnosis, and pretty soon you're going to see kids coming into school or into college or even adults, and they're going to be trying to be identified in school um, with a 504, basically with a disability, not special education, but a disability area of saying that they're addicted to gaming. So, you know, whatever, here's the accommodation that we are requesting you provide. Or, you know, at college, yeah, the gaming addiction is having this. Or will it be a request for social security benefits because they can't work anywhere because they just want to be gaming? Give me a break. Give me a break. Anyway, the game addiction scale. Okay. First question. Do you think about playing a game all day long? Again, remember, never, rarely, sometimes, often, very often. And how many people are just going to answer this to just screw with them? <laughs> I mean, come on. So, and I don't know what they're, I mean, they're kind of attending this toward toward young adults or, you know, I don't know, 15 to 25. I, it, I don't quite have the range on this, but... So, and this, and it doesn't involve online poker games. This is PlayStation, PSP, Nintendo, Game Boy, stuff like that. Okay. The next one. Do you spend increasing amounts of time on games? Increasing amounts, that's vague. What is increasing amounts? And is it increasing amounts over a week? Is it if you have the weekend and more time, you increasing amounts? So, you know, it's bad. It's poorly written, poorly done. Do you play games to forget about real life? What? What the hell's that? About? Real life? Well, part of the game could be real life. Maybe, you know, um, <laughs> my real life when I was 12 years old, part of my real life was was baseball practice. Part of my real life was, was playing some video games with my friends. It was real life. Um, so that's a subjective statement. What is real life? Um, you know, me riding a, do I, do I get on my bike and do I take long bike rides to f- forget about real life? So is my bike ride not real life? Horrible horrible the way they've done this um so basically what they're doing and they're asking people to recall in the last six months in the last six months have you that's always hard to do because we know there there's the forgetting curve in memory and you conflate memories and like i don't know when the last where my timeline is like was it six months was it eight months was it a year was it not so it's that's also a really poor way to frame things have others unsuccessfully tried to reduce your game use? Okay, I mean, I guess, I guess you could answer that. Um, have you felt bad when you were unable to play? What does bad mean? What is bad? Bad is vague, okay? You know, it's more like a craving, I think. Do you feel that when you're not playing that you want to be playing? That's the question there. It's not like, do you feel bad? I mean, what is bad? Bad's like you've done something wrong, you know? Um, bad's like, you know, I took my video game and I threw it and I hit somebody and I hurt them and I, or I feel remorse, but I mean, this it's these terms, it is, I work professionally. I'm, I, I work, you know, I'm contracted with a significant company on inter inter interface, user face language. And, and this is horrible. This is horrible. Bergen, Norway, this survey. Do you have fights with others, for example, family, friends over your time spent on games? Yeah, I mean, that's objective. That's That question is, is okay. Have you neglected other important activities, for example, school, work, sports, to play games? 
I guess there you're leading the person. You're saying important. So um, activities such as schoolwork. Maybe, maybe the game is important. Maybe it's a multiplayer game and you have an obligation to your other game members. And maybe it's like mine. A lot of kids have Minecraft accounts right now. And they're, they're, it's cooperation, it's teamwork. Look at the interview I did. I think it was number 18 Safety Doc Podcast with Sean Dickers, a professor in multi-game or multiplayer um, game design. So, you know, this whole thing of assigning importance, that's subjective. That's leading someone right there. That's a bad question. So let's go over all the way to the social networking part of this. So this gets in the social media, the Bergen part. So that the, other, the first one was gaming. The second one here is social media. All right. The question here is, it leads off with how often during the last year have you? Okay, last year is a very poor way. <laughs> Again, six months is bad, a year. Like, I don't know what I did exactly a year ago and trying to cut do that cut point of a year. You might as well say two, two years or three years. It, it, you're conflating memories. We know there's the memory curve that's been proven. It's been proven in a court of law. Um, blending, conflating memories. It is bad. That's why this these are bad ways to frame things. So, okay. But anyway, let's do it. Again, it's very rarely, rarely, sometimes, often, very often. How often during the last year have you spent a lot of time thinking about social media or planned use of social media? Very rarely, rarely. What? I don't know. All right. Okay. Felt an urge. What? Okay, urge. Urge. Student... A person with a disability, a person with autism, I mean, urges, urge is not a very common word. It's a word if we throw it in and we do a readability of that, like felt an urge to use social media more and more. What is more and more? And um, when does that happen? I mean, more and more at night, more and more on a weekend, um, more and more over summer vacation, more and more if you have friends over. I mean, useless. Used social media in order to forget about personal problems. Personal problems? What the hell? That's vague. What's a personal problem? A personal problem could be, um, you know, that, that you know, um, you're, you're feeling that you, you didn't play well in a, in a basketball game or you need to, to, to practice more. It could be that, you know, you didn't have toothpaste to brush your teeth. That could be a, a personal problem. Um, I, I mean, what is a personal problem? It could be on social media that you, um, I, I mean, I guess I people aren't going to be able to identify what a personal problem is. It's, it's vague. I don't know what a personal problem really is. And and again, people get over, they cope. Is this, I, I, I don't know. In order to forget, is it really forget? I mean, is it order, in order to cope, you know, Maybe this is a great thing. What if you had somebody who has an anger issue and instead of getting angry, you use video games to help them cope and process through what they're feeling? Wasn't that in the movie Feel the Dreams like in the 80s? You know, um, the the development of, of games to help with, with conflict and things like that. Horror, Terrence Mann. I don't know. Um, and you're not going to have any inter-reader reliability with that question. Um, okay. In the last year, have you tried to cut down on your use of social media without success? I guess. Um, have you become restless or troubled if you have been prohibited from using social media? I guess. 
Um, I'm not sure what troubled. I mean, restless. Uh, troubled? I mean, I. wow, I mean, I don't know. Uses, have you, in the last year, have you used social media so much that it has had a negative impact on your job? What is negative impact? What, what does negative impact mean? Does it mean that you've missed work or studies? Um, uh, does, does it, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I uh, It's so subjective. It's just not a good way to do things, folks. This, you know, we're going to go around the prices right now. Survey says, survey sucks. This Bergen survey is horrible. It's horrible. It's garbage. And now it's been embraced by the who. Not the band the who, which would be kind of cool the world health organization and so now you have the american psychiatric association it's not going to be long this will be in dsms kids will be diagnosed with this young adults adults will be diagnosed with this and pretty soon it's going to be an ssi benefit thing and it's just going to be like it's a gaming addiction johnny or sarah they just love gaming and 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 they're so addicted and the game is just designed this way and they can't get away from it we need to take responsibility for our own actions. And parents, we need to take responsibility for their kids' access to not only social media, but, hey, remember when cable TV came out and you could block certain channels and things like that? We did that. So, yeah, maybe the the makers of the iPhone and stuff like that can have some features where parents can go in and, and block out some things and, and put some filters on. Doesn't mean the kids aren't going to get it somewhere else. Doesn't mean that if they go over to a friend's place who has HBO and Cinemax, it's, that's unfiltered. But I'm just saying, folks, uh, this disgusts me. I am very black and white on this. This is wrong. This should not be a diagnosis area. Um, and we are, we are stigmatizing video games and, st- and video game players. I was a video game player in college. If this was applying to me right now, this would portray me out of, of someone who is pathologized with a video game disorder, you know. Um, and, and, you know, video games are, are, are entertainment. Um, Grand Theft Auto was a comprehensive study out of Harvard University, which did clearly did not uh, identify a link between video games and um, violence, like shooters. It's, it's this whole thing. Like, I'm from Wisconsin. You know, we have de- we have kids who deer hunt. Kids can be five years old now, kindergartners, and deer hunt. Does it mean that then they are going to translate that into becoming more prone to be active shooters and things like that? So I don't know. I think this is garbage. I think this is a garbage direction, and I want you to know about it and what is happening right now. And this whole stuff of, yeah, gaming, video game addiction, and too much video game. My daughter, as I close this out, my daughter reads novels three to four hours a day. And she's a, a voracious reader and, and loves this. Does she have a reading disorder? Because she's reading on her own. She's not interacting with her peers when she's she's reading. She takes books with her when we go places. If you didn't have a book for her, is she going to miss that? And is she going to want to do that? Probably. Um, so you could, you could morph this. Oh my goodness. She has a literacy disorder. She has a literacy disorder because she craves this. Are there times when she read when she could have been out, you know, working and, uh, you know, doing things outside and she was, was inside. Did it keep her away from friends at certain times? I mean, I could go on. Hey, I appreciate you. You're not the typical audience. You are sharp folks. I appreciate you. Thank you for following safety doc. Please subscribe on Twitter at SafetyPhD. Check out the website, safetyphd.com. You can link to everything there. Um, YouTube, on Podbean, um, you know, Stitcher. We are all over the place, Apple Podcasts. Please do that. Feel free to comment me. 
Um, I will respond, comment in the in the you know the the blog. I appreciate it very much. Thank you again. Take care, everybody. And uh, video games. Dun, da, da, dun, 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 dun.